1: Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
0: With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com incarwifi Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required.
2: Hey, everybody. If you've ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking maybe you can get across the tracks before the train comes, well, think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings 270 stop trains
0: can't the around the NFL podcast was drafted first overall
2: welcome to another edition of the around the NFL podcast my name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal what is up boys hey Dan the 2019 NFL Draft Round One in the books from Nashville. We are here in Southern California, uh, where we watched all of the action together. It was very cute, all four of us in our little quad cubicles, watching each of the 32 picks. And um, Greg, you know, put it all, you paint a picture for us when you when you think about the round one. In 2019, this, this NFL draft, paint a picture for
3: us. I mean, I think the most memorable moment... Paint that picture. For me, and I think for a lot of people coming out of this draft... Uh, came with with the number six pick on the draft. Now most, you know, on the board most people were not in line uh, getting barbecue at the huddle which I was at the time (laughs) in which many uh, Giants fans were quite upset when the pick they lost their lunch. They were not happy when they took Daniel Jones but ultimately in a round one that had its interesting moments but maybe not like crazy sizzle moments. I think we'll remember it as the draft of Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones and the fact that they ended up with three picks only adds to that
4: i'm still reeling from uh your introductory train safety update which uh a lot to unpack there but there was a particular giants fan we work with i don't want to call him out very by important name. cause for me it is well it's a, in those 257 people and they're in there well
2: now you're making light of
4: something i'm not that's an, that is a real issue but um the nice wormhole bro we we have <laughs> someone who works with us who is a massive giants fan and he is in in nashville still? for the draft and he seemed quite nonplussed. Um, the video showed when Daniel Jones was selected. But then five minutes later, there's a picture of said employee with Daniel Jones at the draft. And he suddenly changed his, his tune to some degree. So, it's you know. it's
2: interesting. And, you know, I guess I would be the guy if there was someone in the studio that was giving Dave Gettleman the benefit of the doubt entering this draft. Certainly it would be me because there's a lot of Gettleman slash giant haters on this podcast, it is what it is. It's not a big deal. I don't, I don't care one way or the other. But the the truth of the matter is coming out of this draft. And again, we don't know. Daniel Jones could be a 15-year starter for he could all end know. Up, you know. And he, he winning could've... two Super Bowl MVPs. Like, that could happen. But where he was taken, at, uh, which everyone is seeing as a reach, uh, when you think about what happened last year, when, of course, the Giants at number two took the running back when you had all these quarterback prospects on the board... And then uh, they followed up with Dexter Lawrence uh, at pick 17, a defensive tackle out of Clemson. They trade back into the first round late at 30 to get DeAndre Baker, the first quarterback off the board, but they gave up quite a bit to get back into the first round. And what you lose most of all, if uh, the Giants, what, what you lose is the benefit of the doubt from your fan base, from the football cognoscenti, of course, but your fan base does not trust you or believe in anything you do, so you're getting killed. Check out the New York back, back pages and front pages uh, on Friday morning. It is a complete uh, black cloud over the Giants right now, and it, they're really, they're going to have to earn the trust back of their fans.
4: This was the day where they also lost Mike Francesa of WFAN, so you, that is a, that's a pivotal that moment. Is true.
2: Actually, we have the moment uh, after the Jones pick which Francesa killed because he has been supporting Gettleman and Eli and all that. Uh, this is this is what Mike Francesa, the 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 famous uh, sports radio guy in New York, was reduced to ahead of the Giants' second pick, with the 17th pick of the first round. The New York Football Giants, who can't <laughs> get out of their own way, who finished last in their division in consecutive seasons for the first time since 76, Mm. 77 will select.
0: Blah, blah, blah.
3: He's broken. They (laughs) broke Mike (laughs) Francesa. I mean, there is something fitting here about Gettleman replacing the Odell Beckham pick with like a 344 pound hog molly like that. That's who he is. That's who he likes. And the fact that Daniel Jones, who maybe he will work out. Who knows? I mean, he he has an you know atypical track record for a guy taken in the top ten. Uh, but the fact that he, he looks like Eli Manning, he kind of acts like Eli Manning. He's with a, less pizzazz. He's a poor man's Eli Manning in terms of the way he plays. He's got the connection with the coach, and the, it's just they they brought Gettleman back because they knew Gettleman to be the general manager to replace the old you know disgraced or not disgraced but you know uh, under fire general manager. They always sort of do. The safe thing.
4: Well, in the the quote of the night, you know, all this, all these manning ties to uh, Daniel Jones's Duke coach, David Cutcliffe, who said tonight, Daniel Jones embraces something we believe in here. Real swag is no swag. That's what you want your quarterback to have. Just Real to swag roll in. No
3: swag. With no sweat. That's a new that's a new phrase. Another phrase is Gettleman always says, you can't you can't reach you can't reach. You can't reach for the pick. You, you'll kill yourself if you reach for the pick. And he's like, you can't take for, for positional need. And it really feels like after they passed in a quarterback, you know, they reach for positional need. He said he was not willing to risk Jones being there at 17. And that's the other thing that strikes me with this pick is that the NFC East. You know, the next five years or so change with these picks because the the buzz was there was a chance at least that the Redskins would take uh, Jones especially if Dwayne Haskins was gone before them. So it it could have been the Giants taking Haskins and then the Redskins taking Jones. And we'll see. Or either one of them taking Josh Rosen. And you get the sense, I just get the sense the Eagles are sitting back there at 22, picking up, you know, one of the maybe the top pass protecting tackle in the draft, thinking like, oh, this is great. We're going to face these guys for the next five years. So there's a lot to unpack,
2: obviously, in the first round of the draft. Uh, so let's, let's start digging into it a little bit more. So we, we covered some of the giants and I'm sure we'll hit the giants, uh, more at some point because they picked three times in the round. Uh, they weren't the only team to do that. It was the Oakland Raiders that also had three picks as they, uh, continue the rebuild or build with John Gruden and I guess Mike Mack. Um, but let's start at the very top of the draft. Let's dig into it. Uh, with the first overall pick, it was indeed Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, um, a lot of the hay was not in the barn. Cliff Kingsbury said uh, earlier this week, but it it was ultimately because they cut to the war room uh, right before the
3: pick was made. Nobody was even moving. It, well, it do, was, it was very What odd. do we think that, that this was all about, by the way? I'd like to ask this to the group. What was what about? The whole hay wasn't in the barn, all these reports and a lot of people, including Kent Summers who covers the team closer than anyone actually believing that they wouldn't take the quarterback like, what was all this? What was all that? Internal power struggle? The only thing I can come up
5: with is that even in the six years that we've been doing this podcast, the lead up to the draft has become huge business compared to what it was. It is now like a mega business, not just a cottage industry. So the NFL wants wants them to keep it as interesting as possible.
2: Or there's another simple explanation that they really weren't sure that there was Nick Bosa... Or wh- whoever else, Nick Bose ended up going number two to the Niners. Maybe there was legitimate. Maybe it wasn't a, a power struggle. Even just like they had a big decision to make, and they had like Josh was Ross, there Rose was in, there maybe a, a
3: price that they could have gotten from the Raiders that they actually would have traded the pick, and they were seeing if they could. Scare that out, like four first round picks, yeah. and then they'd be like, like, "I don't know," because like it I mean, otherwise, it's like I don't know what the what that I was think they'd all be about. Game
4: for that, but when, I think a couple things are true. Number one, I think the NFL probably gets in the ear of whoever has number because that's been the trend. You do not leak this in any way. You create as much confusion as you can. At the same time, I do not believe that Steve Keim, who spent months drafting a quarterback. Last year, trading up for one to draft Josh Rosen, less than a year later, is convinced he made the wrong pick and go picks so another. It's it's about fitting with your new head coach, who's one of the more different head coaches the NFL's seen in a long time. I don't think the NFL is in the team's ears. I oh, think I it,
2: absolutely. It, do. I think it behooves the team to keep their cards close because, like you're saying, you never know when a godfather offer can show up. If you if you let everyone know we're taking this guy, then people are probably going to be teams will be less likely to try to get into business with you. I, th- I think uh, well, ultimately the Cardinals played it the I right way. I think this
4: time around, probably there was vibrant conversation up until the very end, but there are other years where you mm. could just say who you want to pick and get that guy under contract well before. That's how it used to be back in the eighties and early nineties.
3: I love it's a mandate to not do that. Like I love Rosen, but this trade just makes the Cardinals so much more interest. I mean, I will, as much as I love Rosen Kingsbury, and Murray makes them so watchable compared to Rosen and Byron. Was so much more juice than this time. last, And then year. you got Nick Bosa chasing him down twice a year. You got him facing off against Russell Wilson in like the uh, short quarterback bowl twice a year. The NFC West is the most interesting division in, in the league again. And through two picks,
2: Mark, uh, we did the first annual Mark Sessler um, mock draft. You were two for two.
4: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, You're I'd like, feeling I, good. I would like to if we just the didn't want to comment on the mock draft from that point on, I'd feel good about <laughs> where we landed. You were on fire. Um,
2: so the Niners go with Bosa safe pick the right pick. It sounds like this guy is supposed to be. I mean, we had him on our Super Bowl show. Maybe not the most lively interview
3: that we've ever done.
4: Also <laughs> not his job. So that's maybe fine.
3: some people don't love the man's politics in his Twitter. He's already addressed the San Francisco media about that. Um, basically saying I, he was like a kid scrolling through Instagram, liking some things, uh, and uh, try, basically just backpedaling as hard as he can. And who can blame him? If you are uh, kids out there, if you are a
2: highly touted college prospect, don't do anything on social media. You you don't get anything out of it. Kids need to be taught this in college. Um, so Bosa to the Niners. Uh, then the Jets at number three. So much talk about. Uh, whether New York would trade down, and um, as has become a tradition in the newsroom, during the Jets pick, I go to the the, the middle of the newsroom. The horseshoe, as it's called, internally, because they have this uh, whole setup. I don't even know what the te- technology is, but it's a direct line from the actual event, and you get the picks in before anybody else knows them. Uh, I mean,
4: it's essentially radio technology, but yes.
2: I would say it's a little more advanced than that, but yes, there is some type of transmitting going on for sure. But, uh, finding out, yes, they stay put at three. They draft Quinn and Williams, uh, again, and the Jets have been doing this, uh, Greg for several years now. They, uh, the draft cognizante speaks and says, this is the best player potentially on the board and the jets who keep picking because they keep on being terrible, uh, year after year are grabbing these
3: highly touted prospects. I think they lucked out that no one... I mean, it depends what kind of offer they were going to get, but I think ultimately if you can get the guy who is the consensus number one for a lot of people without moving, who I don't want to move down.
4: Well, it reminds me of the Leonard Williams pick.
3: There's a lot of people that believe this draft was two great players in Williams and Bosa, and then Murray was kind of in his own category. And then a pretty big drop-off. And, they, and so it was nice to be number three in this draft.
4: I also think this is a team that really wanted Anthony Barr, thought they had him. It's not the same position, but like to go and use this pick, because they, you know, they could have traded down and gotten someone that we'd speculate over whether it was a good pick. This is the dude where it's like New York's front, and now you have Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell. Your defensive line looks nasty. Mike McCagnon is starting to uh, show that he can potentially build something here.
5: It's not often that you see a 3-4 defense, and the reports are that Greg Williams is staying in a 3-4, correct?
4: Yes. He usually
5: has a 4-3, but it's not often you see a 3-4 defense where the defensive ends are pass rushers. It's usually the outside linebackers, and the Jets are going to have, it looks to me like Quinn
3: and Williams and Leonard Williams at defensive end, they're going to be counted on to bring the... Yeah, they'll have to be... I mean, they'll have to change... Like every team, they'll change it around, you would think, two, three, four-man lines, but you will have sometimes where they're going to have the new school Williams wall. Yeah. I mean Pat Williams and Kevin Williams you know great men, tall men. Outside of the StarCaps large fiasco. large men that played in Minnesota, but have I fun think fun on both yeah, guys-
4: I mean it's like Greg completely ignores StarCaps. That's seafaring fine. men. I what mean blast, our blast listeners blast are is. too
3: young to remember StarCaps. I'm just saying this, all of them. this Williams wall's got a potential to just have a little more firepower. And just overtake that way. One thought I had because the Jets only have five picks
2: in this draft and the whole idea was like they need to trade back because they need to fill in a lot of holes. Is Leonard Williams expendable? And I thought, is there a chance he gets moved today? No. It didn't happen. Uh, it's unlikely he will. They just have they have a good problem there. They have a
3: ton of depth uh, and some really great potential. And, and my, I mean, they thought that the NFL changes fast, too. It's like they thought they had that with, with Sheldon Richardson right. and Mo Wilkerson. My
2: fear was that they were going to trade back because they felt that they had to, and then it wouldn't be a um, – it would be an underwhelming return, and then they would botch the 14th pick. This is the safe, simple move – and sometimes you know, it's better just to go with the safe move, and it could pay off big dividends. Uh, now, Wes, here comes the first big surprise of the draft: the Raiders at number four. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, uh, edge rusher out of Clemson, was a guy that was in a lot of mocks. I'm not sure where he was on the Mark Sessler mock, but he was uh, 10 to 20 range, I believe. That that yes. type of uh, that's where he was falling a lot. The, the Raiders, and we there was a report. Maybe it was even rap sheet said hey, Raiders are going to make a splash at number four. Well, nobody thought Farrell was going this high, but the Raiders decided he was their guy at number four.
5: Everybody loves his character. Everybody loves his college production. The question scouts have is, why would you take a guy who's not an explosive athlete as an edge rusher as a top five pick? Um, And that's the consensus from scouts, that this guy is not explosive enough to go that high. Um, It seems like a reach for a character guy, a tone setter, for your
3: organization. That said, it's early. We have no idea what he's going to be. May- yeah, Mayock said in the in a post draft interview with NFL Network that he was absolutely trying to set the tone for the types of people, and that they believe this was exactly the type of person. It reminds me a little bit of Aaron Curry when he was drafted by the Seahawks, which very similar in that like a guy. <laughs> Well, no, I just mean everyone loved that pick. And they and he was talked about as like the greatest character guy in the world, super safe. But there were questions at the time. Yeah, but it's a little weird to take a linebacker that can't really rush the passer. So who knows?
4: He got a few comparisons to Terrell Suggs. Another scout told Bob McGinn, who we've been leaning on heavily uh, this weekend. <laughs>
2: Does he get it, paid by the reference on our show? Because it's I mean, pretty it's not, high right it's,
4: now. He gets mentioned this week on a lot of shows. But so one scout called him a solid player. He'll squeeze out one or two Pro Bowls. I mean, obviously, the Raiders feel very different. You want more than that, that if, at it, number uh, four. Am I wrong that the the our newest version, at least just for this week, of the Chiefs wide receivers having no touchdowns that one season, is that, yes, the Raiders had 13 sacks last year. We have heard yeah. that roughly 47 <laughs> times.
3: You mocked him to 22nd um, to the Ravens, by the way, Mark Cleland Farrell.
4: That was the Terrell Suggs connection. You know, you mm. lose Terrell Suggs, so you get a
3: lesser version of him. You know what? Him. It tells me with the Jets and the Raiders, I mean, that they just I don't think there were trades down. My guess, I mean, Mike Mayak was going through a trade-down boot camp earlier this week, so you know he was ready. <laughs> You know, on the phones. I bet they, they I think both those teams really wanted to trade down. I think the Raiders were hoping to trade down and, and still draft Farrell. And I don't think there was anyone really interested in moving up for anyone in this draft. It just wasn't happening. What can you do?
5: Mayock fanboys are a little bit um, confused, a little bit perplexed, a little bit shook because this was an anti analytics draft. They pick up a box safety at the end of the first round and a running back. Two positions that analytics say you should not be. Investing heavily. In. Didn't they like
4: Farrell though?
3: Pff, I thought he was their dude. I don't know, but see, I don't get it. Well, they were the top like Abrams and and uh, Jacobs were the top players at their position on on Daniel Jeremiah's board. Of for course, instance, but analytics a lot of they
5: just don't invest. That and then much Jacobs, Jacobs was a top
3: twenty-five guy in a lot of people's boards. So I, I don't, I don't buy that with running back. It's like if you can get a quality running back in the later in the first round, give me a break.
2: Josh Jacobs was. Don't have too many rules. Uh, we'll stick with the Raiders for a second here. So yeah, they pick twenty-four. They take Josh Jacobs, uh, the running back out of Alabama. He's the only running back that comes off the board in round one, and he come out, came off at twenty-four, where he was mocked a lot in that area. Uh, and we heard a lot of uh, Charlie Garner. We've heard a lot of that. That this is the Raiders have their new Charlie Garner. Um, well, we'll see. But the, you know, who you know the, the jury's obviously it's still out, but you can't. You can't really say yet whether Gruden um, royally screwed up what he did when he took over the job. We got to see how all these things shake out. But when you do look at the offense, that offense, and Wes, I know you're not a, a fan of the the Raiders or how they're going about this, but the offense with Antonio Brown and you got this new kid at running back. I mean, you 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 have Tyrell Williams. They have a chance to be a lot more. Uh, productive on offense. There's no no doubt about it.
5: They are one of the most upgraded units in the entire NFL and I think you could make a strong argument that Derek Carr is the biggest offseason winner in the entire league.
3: Yeah. And the the fact they had three picks and didn't seem interested in Getting into the quarterback, mix. they
5: pick it up a left
3: cost tackle. Cost me some sandwiches, by the way.
5: A left and tackle, an entire new receiving core,
3: and the best running the, the back prob- in the draft. I like the skill positions, and I think Jacobs, by all accounts, I think seems like a safe pick. The offensive line could be terrible, though. I mean, Colt Miller course, was yeah. a, was almost a disaster, and Brown, Brown, you just have to wor- you know worry that he can back up what he did last year.
4: But there's still guys left in the draft for that. I mean, Trent Brown that to Mayox point on picking certain types of people. Josh Jacobs grew up for sections of his life being homeless, sleeping in cars. His family went through a lot. And he's now being compared to someone at coming out of Alabama who they said has a little bit of Mark Ingram and a little bit
3: as a receiver of Alvin Kamara all in one. And to your point, Dan, you do have to give them time because, I mean, they're just getting their... Guys in place. They've only played one season. They added LaMarcus Joyner, who's going to be playing next to Jonathan Abram. So now you kind of get a better feel of like, okay, what's a Gruden team? I'm with you. you. you, They've they've added four safeties this offseason. Jonathan Abram was their
2: third and final pick of the round. Um, He's a kind of a, a physical safety a Landon Collins type. Well, that wouldn't be bad. All right, let's move on. So we talked about the Giants. They shock everybody. A big newsroom gasp when Daniel Jones was selected, the Duke uh, quarterback by the Giants. And uh, Giants fans will cringe and also point out uh, the fatalists will point out Dave Brown, also the Duke quarterback. One of the darker I think I periods that downstairs. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're not
4: exactly the he same. He was
2: a supplemental draft pick that became the, uh, the re- really the replacement of Phil
3: Sims. Didn't go anywhere. I mean, is that just that? Like, yeah. It's like. Number six overall—that's the thing that's crazy. Yeah, it was a shock, and especially yeah, with Gettleman saying
2: he didn't he didn't want to reach and all that. But we 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 touched on that. So let's move now to number seven, and here is a nice pick, Mark for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a a team that has a defense that didn't have its best season last year, but has plenty of potential. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen, a guy that was mocked as high as, you know, two or three, uh, he was connected to the jets a lot. If uh, he falls to seven. So the edge rusher out of Kentucky now joins a Jacksonville D that got that much better.
4: I don't problem with that I do like the fact that it's the second draft in a row where someone named Josh Allen was drafted seventh overall. We could live for 300 more years on the earth and that will not happen two years in a row again.
3: And probably, you could probably even go further than that. Same exact name. 22,000
4: years. We could be nailed doing it. it. Well, someone, That's the someone
3: asked the question, I believe, you know, they they gave away a, a season tickets for 100 years at the beginning of this draft. Yeah. Well, like, what's the odds in in Vegas where the Raiders are moving right now that there will be an NFL in 100 years? Low. I mean, because I think you got to at least put it on the board there won't be a human race in 100 years. At least that's, like, possible. Very possible. Right? So then... Wait. I'm just saying, you might not get the hundred. You know, humans think here. so
2: highly of the, the realm that they exist within. They, we're the generation that's going to bring down humanity or, or the next
5: generation. No. The
4: next generation, not our Humans are I think it's be a, here. The well, football's going to be I think be it's a here. long shot. I'm just saying,
3: Everybody you put it on relax. the board. It's a long Everybody shot. Everybody relax. It on the board.
5: It's not that humans won't be here, it's that humans and in, in artificial intelligence will merge into one and become a new okay, species. Thank
3: you, bingo. Okay. So you think they'll do the NFL draft then? The, but then the NFL won't be
2: gone. That'll be that'll be a badass football. League. Well, it could That's be true. like
5: there's another sport that has overtaken the NFL.
2: Mm. But does that mean NFL cease to exist?
4: I mean, the NFL has some issues they need to figure out to still be. I'm just
3: you know, saying, I feel like I I, I'm
2: putting my money on the league being around. And, Greg's uh,
3: giving me the. St- I'm not allowed to no, no. mention these things, I guess. No, I like that. Yeah. I, I was more thinking like Josh Allen also kind of like a basic name in 100 years. I feel like with the Cyborgs, we're going to have like way more interesting names. Uh,
4: One note, like number five, the Bucks. Devin White. Love that pick. We can move on. We, we do not have to discuss it at all, but it was... A oh, did I
3: skip over that? That's, That's an instant bad. impact. Let's go back to that. We've been, uh, you know, the Bucks have been skipped over on NFL Many times. Yeah, a hundred times. So, yes, years. we should
2: talk about the fifth overall pick. Bucks fans were going nuts just now for the last four minutes, so credit to Mark Sessler. Uh, yes, they get Devin White, the linebacker at LSU, the reigning Dick, Dick
5: Buckus award winner. This guy's a home run, Wes, right? This feels like not only one of the safest picks, but also brings a ton of upside... I don't think anybody had a bad word to say about this. Devin White had the film and
3: the numbers. He's got everything. I tell you, you know, who's had a good or at least a potentially good offseason here? Todd Bowles. Got a chance to have a nice rebound, taking over one of the worst defenses in the league in terms of production. And has a lot of players there to work with.
5: Just has to hope they don't cut Gerald McCoy.
2: All right. So Allen goes to the Jags and then TJ Hawkinson, the first tight end off the board out of Iowa uh, goes to the Detroit lions picked eight overall. This is the, the Mackey award winner, Mark. And that is a obviously league. I know that top tight end. Uh, and the guy was an absolute stud at Iowa. And he is, Mark, a, an important addition to a Lions offense that could use a little more firepower. P- and, you know, after whiffing kind of on Eric Ebron uh, about five years ago, they weren't afraid to jump back in and, and invest in a tight end. And maybe they hit on this one.
4: They, the Lions last year ranked 31st in receptions and receiving yards at the tight end position. So it's a need. And Iowa has pumped these dudes out because this is where George Kittle came from. But I, this is not George Kittle. In the current incarnation from the scouting reports, it sounds and Wes, you mentioned this during the mock draft episode where putting him in the top 10, not a lot of people, not everyone agreed with that idea that he's a very good, he can give you uh, essentially sort of a safe, he's a safe tight end, but he's not necessarily a star tight end and brings blocking and some receiving skills. So I don't know. I don't think it's a blow-you-away next Rob Gronkowski type guy. No,
5: but this could be one of the most improved offenses in the league, because at the end of the year last year, there was no on Johnson, there was no Marvin Jones, and then those guys are healthy. You add Danny Amendola, you add Hawkinson, Jesse James for whatever he is, but just being healthy and adding a couple of new guys, they could be improved.
3: I think draft Knicks need to calm down with the whole positional value thing. Let's take down positional value. Eventually, they get too, it's, people get too carried away. How many defensive end busts do you need to have to in the top 10 to 12? <laughs> To like just right. allow a tight end to be drafted. Uh, it's like a tight, a, a worthwhile tight end absolutely changes your team. Let's allow well, it. Also, it's not
4: 2001, 2019 tight end arrow up. Uh, Mark, let's just try to be
2: diligent in the branding. It's not just our mock draft. It was our first annual Mark Sessler mock draft.
4: That's why you're here. I mean, I You've got a brand through that sucker. and you correct it.
2: We want to we want to just imprint that in every football fan's mind.
4: Well, I mean, Noted. only if four- I will not, you know, there's not a whole lot more reasons to mention
3: that exercise from here on out. <laughs> How many more do, hits hits do we have? not a whole <laughs> lot how are we stuff. doing so far I mean can, I can
4: nailed the in the Sessler wrong music the, uh, when he was making his predictions the Raiders corrected the, they took the running back I noted Not. they did not trade up and they also did not take Daniel Jones at number four, Oh yeah so. we gave
2: you a halfie for uh, Josh Jacobs and you got one and two a halfie so you got and the over under
4: was three half somehow half. I came under a bit <laughs> you got two and a half total <laughs> yeah I mean that's a
3: mess Wait, didn't you have Jacobs?
1: Yeah,
4: everyone he got a everyone he had, had Kyler Murray
3: up. and Bosa, so I, you could almost argue and that. And almost then. everyone had Jacobs to the Raiders, too. So right, was, still, I'm still going to give you a full one for that.
5: Mm, let's I see what know. the
3: crowd thinks about Mark's first mock.
4: <laughs> oh Look, if I can make them smile, what else am I here for? <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. The Bills,
2: they had been rumored to be uh, maybe interested in trading up. Uh, instead, they stay put at nine and they get the guy a lot of people said they that they uh, wanted, Ed Oliver, uh, the defensive tackle out of Houston. We, you know, we slandered the man a little bit on the first annual Mark Sessler mock draft. There was a bunch of comments about him being a potential knucklehead. We didn't add a lot of more uh, context to that. Uh, what should be known, though, And we did, we referenced it, but didn't really dig in as how good this guy was during his three years with Houston. Mark, do you know what the uh, college football's top interior defensive lineman award is called? Like, what do you get? It's the Outland Trophy.
4: No, I've certainly heard that. Well, guess what? And Oliver's
2: got that in his case. And the Bills offense, uh, Greg, uh, Bills defense, rather, uh, they have to be thrilled to get this guy fall into their lap. And it's a team that is
3: adding pieces. A a great landing spot for him because I think he landed on a defense that knows how to use him. I mean, maybe not moving to Buffalo and all that. I'm just saying, like, maximize his gifts. And that's one thing I like about Oliver reading about him. He's he was a top level defensive lineman three straight years. And so... Teams adjusted. They knew what was coming when Ed Oliver was stepping on the field. And he still produced year after year, which is very tough to do at the collegiate level. A lot of these guys are one-year wonders, or there's someone like Noah Fant who has one great year where he maybe would have gotten drafted higher if he came out early then doesn't do as well. He did it year after year. A lot of people had him as a third or fourth player in this draft, and they get him at nine.
4: They did have the second-ranked defense, the Bills, but next-gen stats – notes that they had the third lowest pressure rate from the interior defensive line. So he fills a need, too. I love that the scouts mix their... Um, he's all over the map. One guy says he's a playmaking rascal. Someone else called him blunt, immature. Mm. So a b- bit of a wild package. Sometimes, you know, when you meet
3: those people and they're your friends, they're the most interesting friends. Hey, here, here's a newsflash. Most, most of these players are immature. They should be. I mean, like, right? No, they. On should. a relative, well, on I don't a think relative that's the scale, immature they're looking for here. I don't but. mean like.
5: I think it, you misspoke, but I get your point.
3: No, they shouldn't be immature, but I it's just normal
5: for a for a. Their age, year old it's immature.
3: almost impossible not to be immature. Right, but some you're throwing level.
5: 10 million dollars at them. They should not be immature.
3: Let's move on. That's a debate <laughs> a that we will one. unpack in greater detail on the maturity side. Saying slash they got a they got a chance to mature. You know, as you get into your 20s. Sure, I get your point. I just—that's absolutely true. <laughs> it's
2: possible both are correct in various ways. Now, the second gasp for me um, on draft night: first was the Duke kid, Dave Brown Part Two, going to the Giants uh, at six. Well, I hope it's not Dave Brown Part Two. The second was the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a whole new world. They—they they trade into the top ten. The Steelers. Yeah, they make a deal with the Denver Broncos. Um, and they give their 20th pick, the first-round pick, 20th, as well as a second-rounder and a third-rounder next year to move up 10 spots and take Devin Bush, the linebacker out of Michigan, another big-time prospect who can make an immediate impact on a team that hasn't been the same in the middle since Ryan Chazier's injury. Um, your thoughts on this move, Chris Wesling?
5: Well, just on geography alone, we know that the Steelers are always get things ahead of Cincinnati because Pittsburgh comes before Cincinnati in the in the flow of the Ohio River
3: mm.
5: <laughs> and this has been going on for 43 years the dealers just bang the bangles all over the place. Were it just you,
4: happens everywhere. I like that you're taking that back to essentially agrarian society where right. the river flow is producing you've goods.
5: Been, <laughs> tig- I know. Tigris and Euphrates, like come he's,
2: on. He's going like Huck Finn on us. You've been, you've been hitting this hard all night, Wes. Are you, you, do you have any sources <laughs> that Devin Bush was indeed going to be the Cincinnati pick at
5: 11? No my sources are common sense and history. <laughs> of course the Bengals were gonna take that guy. They needed a linebacker. Every time they want some something, the Steelers take it from them, and then their trash just flows down the Ohio River to Cincinnati and the Bengals <laughs> sign a guy after he busts from them. You know, supporting Wes's <laughs> I mean I can't disagree. <laughs> I re- it here. seems
2: well reasoned and he speaks with much confidence. <laughs>
5: I've been watching it for a long time. And Devin Bush, they finally get their Ryan Shazier replacement. This guy seems like a can't miss. People love his character. They love his film. They love the numbers. He blew up the combine.
2: As uh, the Pittsburgh organization, they make the right move. So if they go up to get somebody, I just feel confident that they're getting the right guy. Uh, and a guy that's going to make an impact. Uh, it's what much more likely that happens, given on the track record of the last twenty
3: twenty five years, than that it's a huge bust for them.
4: Especially when they're not drafting a cornerback.
3: And as, yes. yeah, especially at that position. And he seems like one of the safer players in the draft. Anyways, to support you know Wes's theory here. Uh, my guy, Bengals coach, Zach Taylor, you know, when asked sort of kind of, they asked him about, you know, whether they would have taken Bush and, you know, you answer the question, just like Jonah Williams was there for us. That's who they took the tackle mm. uh, from Alabama. And they wasn't on the board. It wasn't exactly a, sh- he didn't shoot down that theory totally if you wanted to read between the lines. <laughs> so Cincinnati,
2: yes, gets Jonah Williams, the tackle out of Alabama. Uh, when you get, you know, your number one offensive lineman on the board—that seems like a, a nice pick, but we'll ne- perhaps we'll never truly know. But
4: well, there are West scouts saying points. there are some people noted they thought.
5: Jonah Williams fit better as a center than a tackle. So, I mean, but who, who knows? What people seem do. to be divided on that. There, yeah. There's a lot of people who think that you can stick at left tackle, not even right tackle. Right.
3: The, uh, you know, the Roto World guys, you know, putting together their big board on their podcast, had him as a top five player in this whole whole draft, about as safe as it, as it gets. Opinions so, vary.
4: I mean, I don't know if their crew put as much offensive line tape study into it as, uh, as our foursome did. So, <laughs> remains to be seen. All right. The Packers...
2: They picked 12, Rashawn Gary, the defensive end out of Michigan, uh, a great athlete, uh, seen by some as a boomer bust type
3: prospect. Very much so. Uh-huh. I mean, I think one of the most surprising things in this draft is that they didn't take an offensive player with their two picks. Not only that, but that they traded up in back into the first round uh, to take a safety Gutakun's just his defense, wild. Good I mean, he's just like, a soul, try, shine, but like addicted to drafting defensive players. You, you, Dan, really wanted some weapons for Aaron Rodgers. Didn't get it with. I didn't think it would,
2: I, it would have surprised you, especially after we read that expose in ESPN about you know Rodgers is is already working with a bunch of young guys uh, to bring in a rookie. That that would have been even more. Uh, of a challenge potentially based on the personalities inside that building. Uh, But yeah, it is a little surprising. I don't don't know if they have enough weapons around.
3: Well, just with two picks and the fact that they spent so much money on three starters in free agency and now they just picked up a third edge. It's not that crazy, but what was your stat, Wes, on the defensive backs that they've taken in the last three drafts? They've taken, I mean,
5: we haven't even gotten to the second round yet this year and they've taken five defensive backs in the first two rounds of the last three drafts. I mean, that tells me that Mike Pettin's voice has been heard
4: two straight off seasons because they his number one thing. You want your press corners. You want your defensive backs to be solid. And they have done nothing but dress that team with Mike Pettin type players. That defense better be a lot better. Right. It's a well, lot. Then he, it's it is. A, lot it's, a, it's it a lot of
3: pressure. It's hard to build around defense in twenty nineteen. The Vikings have done a pretty good job with it. You know, so it's not impossible to get him last year. One thing I say about their offense is I think Aaron Rodgers and their coaches
5: like Geronimo Allison more than your average fan would believe. I think his injury really hurt them last year and they missed him terribly.
2: Uh, the Dolphins at 13 take Christian Wilkins, the defensive tackle out of Clemson. Um, you guys can add whatever you want. I want to play one clip from the NFL Network broadcast. Daniel Jeremiah, of course, this was his big uh, arrival as the number one draft analyst for uh, the network. Uh, but he's not above a little sneaky humble brag in a big spot.
0: He's my seventh overall player in this draft. I did not think he would end up falling all the way down there. That's why I ended up putting him in my mock draft with the Miami Dolphins, just because of the connection. So that's why I put him to Miami. But if you asked mm. me, and gave me some truth serum. I said, there's no way this kid's going to be there. And he He actually was. And
2: I just wonder... Mark, that was a good job. I'll I'll set you up on this. I wonder, after he heard about the first annual Mark Sessler mock draft, he wanted wanted to make sure that he was the guy letting everyone in America know, I'm still the mock man, and I'm nailing picks.
4: I don't doubt that. I mean, you could tell early on in the broadcast that, uh, and I thought he did a great job tonight, we all do, But there were a little bit of nerves after what we produced the other day. Just how do you match it? But then by the time you got to pick 13, I think he felt very confident that he would outshine uh, what we did a few days ago. It was clear that he had done more homework and it was paying off.
2: The Falcons take Chris Lindstrom, a guard from Boston College at 14, uh, addressing their offensive line in front of um, Matt
5: Ryan uh, and uh, then turned around and traded back into the first
3: round to take Irish Gary, mm. Irish Gary, Caleb McGarry. This goes with the theory. <laughs> I forget who threw it out the other day. No one ever likes it when you draft interior linemen. Like I, I saw a little bit on Falcons Twitter. Like They're not excited for two two guards. It's, two guard centers, I get it. After, especially it's after an off season night. where they signed a couple different guards. But that offensive line has been terrible. So what are you going to do? But you know what? If Matt Ryan
2: has more time and Devonta Freeman is healthy and running through big holes and they're scoring 30 points a game
5: in October, you know, all of a sudden they're going to be OK with the draft. Yeah. Matt Ryan and Devonta Freeman are big, big winners out of this draft because like Greg said, that offensive line was terrible by the end of last year. Um, OK, next big uh, quarterback pick. Yes, the Washington
2: Redskins at 15, a lot of speculation. Will they trade up? Will they get cost me sandwiches because nobody traded up into the top five? Uh, The Redskins stay put at 15, Greg. And this uh, a lot of people are really excited about this draft for Washington. And it started with Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback out of Ohio State, one of the most highly touted guys in this draft, going to Washington as the
3: next big thing there with Alex Smith's future in doubt. Well, there's all these reports that this was directed by the very top of the organization and that there was some uh, disagreement over, you know, who who the coaching staff would actually want to take. And so you can separate two things. The process to get to this pick could be problematic. Haskins might be stepping into a very difficult situation, but this is a great result for them because they didn't trade up. They sat at 15. Jones ends up going to the Giants. They don't have to do anything, burn any later picks, and they get a, a quarterback that some a lot of people believe has a good chance to be a pro quarterback. And in terms of the traits that I did watch, you know, more of Haskins than anyone, um, than any of the other quarterbacks in the draft, I really, I think he has traits that, transfer, which is accuracy, that he sees the field, he anticipates, I mean, and his just numbers with accuracy were really strong for like a West Coast, John Jay Gruden type of quarterback, like the comp that uh, QB football guru, I forget, on or QB film room on, on Twitter, his comps were Cousins and Andy Dalton with, with better arms, two guys that Jay Gruden's coach. So, you, so it actually feels like it could be a good fit for them. But you just feel like Jay Gruden might only have like one year to get it done.
5: I can't believe I'm saying this, but they had one of the most intriguing first rounds. I mean, absolutely. Two boomer bust players, they swung for the fences. So we won't know
3: for a couple of years how they did, but they added some talent. Well, they gave up. A, they also gave up a second round pick yes. uh, in next year's draft uh, to move up for their second pick.
4: I mean, maybe more teams should have the owner step in and, and run the process no. in the first
2: round.
3: Mm-mm. I don't know.
4: No?
2: You know, I think Washington, like Arizona, even more so than Arizona, because after the Alex Smith injury, this team just seemed to be floating, uh, you know, deep in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh There's a little hope in the room now. And if you're a fan of the Redskins, a team that wasn't even drawing well in their own building last year. Now, maybe, oh, we can get behind the kid and, and we could take why are you laughing? I don't know.
4: Like, like the whole um it's, I mean, it's true, but the whole Redskins home attendance thing, I think, has, has been mentioned on this show like <laughs> nine or ten times. It's like the team largely sucked after Thanksgiving. I get it. But every,
2: every other team in the NFC East, you know... Wait, what, what is your bad? theory,
3: Why? My theory? That they don't have... I think the Redskins
4: fans have (laughs) endured one of the less appealing teams outside of a season here or there for a long, long time. And that chips away at people spending their disposable income on a product doomed to fail.
2: I guess I'm surprised because the NFC East in general has been such a, a bedrock of the NFL that not when you're getting thumped
4: by the other three teams in the division all the time,
2: but they don't. I mean, they're not, when you look at
3: their record over the last, they're not like a cellar dweller constantly. They've won one playoff game in the 20 years that, that since the new ownership came in. They just, haven't been terrible. They've just been sort of bad. a odor. That's pretty bad.
2: Boy, I'm just saying NFC's, those stadiums sell out good, bad or bad teams, good team or bad team. And in, th- in this case, they have not been drawing.
4: Why do you keep smiling? I just think, it's, with, what is I just so think funny it's funny that this? we keep bringing up the Redskins. <laughs> and okay, home attendance. Think, <laughs> Are they pumping in fake crowd noise like some other teams? No.
3: Well, Haskett—it's too much. The problem is, it's too much to ask for Haskins. I think Haskins would have a chance in the right situation, but they've got problems on their offense. And Jeremiah, you know, DJ predicted he'll be their Week One starter. I think he's going to have a chance against. Oh, Case what he's got to
5: beat out Colt McCoy and Case
3: Keenum. He's got to have a chance. Uh, and we didn't even mention Montez Sweat, the you know the second pick. Why he was such a big risk? There was like, some heart concerns, but. Otherwise, he was, people thought, maybe a top 10 type of talent.
2: Uh, there was a dispatch from RG3 on Twitter. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, he seems to have toned it down. It's talk about immaturity and, and getting more mature, and we're going to talk about it on the immaturity/slash maturity podcast kind of later this offseason. But he has made strides, and he had this to say: a man that has accumulated West some wisdom. You didn't draft the young man for nothing, you did it because you believe in the young man, you did it because you need a quarterback. Don't give up on him prematurely. He is your investment. Mm. Give the kid time to prove himself. Congrats, young gun. Enjoy every second of it. Like, Who's he directing that tour? The Redskins. It's kind of well, like you gave up. I was once that, that boy, and I wasn't given the chance to play up to my abilities because my that team didn't believe in me and didn't stand
5: by me. He's saying, stand by your man. It's ridiculous. The Redskins stood by him. The fans... I mean, loved him. Tony Kornheiser called it the era of unbridled optimism. The only thing that happened was he, he stopped playing well anymore.
3: Well, and, and there's a lot of similarities because Dan Snyder, the owner, has a connection, a family connection to Haskins. I mean, his son played with him. Haskins is from Maryland. You know, they're believed to have been very active, you know, the, the ownership in in pushing this pick. And no one stuck up and stood by RG3 more than the ownership there, I mean, the, the, according to the reports like that, that's what kept him in that on that team and even relevant for a few more years than he would have been. And
2: it should be stated, I think maybe hindsight is 2020 because he wanted to play. He was young and all that. But a lot of people say the Redskins ruined his career by putting him on the field and not sitting him down with that knee injury that led to a, a fairly uh, catastrophic knee injury in the playoffs that year. And he was never the same player.
5: Well, now that's a valid argument. That might But not to- believing in him. I mean, why does everything he write or say have to be a bumper sticker? I just don't get, <laughs> I get that. Back to I this, totally get that. this
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on. Uh, guys. If you have something to say about Brian Burns, going to the Panthers uh, defensive end at FSU. Uh, we talked about Dexter Lawrence going to the giants and Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC state. So to be a great prospect going to the Vikings. Or Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive mm. tackle uh, from Miss- Mississippi State, going to your Tennessee Titans? Speak now, or I think forever with old Brian Japanese.
4: Burns. Some people had him higher. He was he's a little bit polarizing, but the Panthers, who I think just by collective memory, you just assume they have this great defense. They were 27th in sacks last year. Outside of Mario Addison, you don't have a lot of pass rush. So, I. I like the idea of making this
3: the where you go with this pick. I think they're thrilled how the draft fell. And I think they probably thought the Falcons would have taken Brian Burns at 14. One scout says that Brian Burns runs like a scalded dog. Which scout? Hopefully people have stopped scalding dogs
5: by now.
4: Um, Fair point. Um, A second scout. according Is that a thing?
2: One scout said something, then a second scout. We're having two conversations. (laughs) What were you talking about? (laughs)
5: I would just hope people have stopped scalding dogs by now. That well, way they about, don't have to run. What they about they the news? To?
2: What about the news in Australia? That there's a feral cat, and we have a we have a great listenership in Australia. There's a overpopulation of feral cats. I saw this uh, an, an alert on my phone from the New York Times, and they, humble brag, and nice subscription. It's a great paper. Uh, the great lady. <laughs> um, no, but they have such a problem with feral cats that they are now dropping poison sausage into areas of high concentration and that's just the first wave of killing uh, tens of thousands of cats in Australia what's going on
4: I totally get it we like do you if you remember we had a feral cat coming into our yard and give birth to five feral kittens and it sent our household into total chaos for six
5: months drop the poison sausage this reminds me of the big um Tybee Island coyote controversy of 2012 take us through it Well, there were a couple of coyotes were basically terrorizing the island because they were taking cats and dogs and killing them and people worried about small children. So the mayor, one of my good friends, was really up against it. He had to decide whether do you put down the coyotes and really piss off the animal rights people? Or do you let the coyote right. run wild and then people are going to stop voting for you because they're worried about people the People are banging disappear. on your door. That's why being oh, yeah. there is mayor well, then, is a tough job. Well, yeah. then here's where it got really thorny. Yeah. Vigilantes <laughs> took it into their own hands. Um, and there was a dead coyote on the beach one morning, shot. You know, you're basically giving the plot of Jaws, only you're
2: substituting coyotes <laughs> for a shot. Almost shirt. to it. I mean, that's a, to right, a this isn't fiction. Yeah, I mean, that's if
3: I, Australia wants to let loose some coyotes...
2: Forget Just it. It's over. it's over.
3: I mean, that's a pro- that's a pretty big. Uh, I wouldn't say you know problem plaguing the Los Angeles area, but you can't leave you can't leave your cats at the Coyotes are going to get them. If you live in the mountains, forget it. Uh, everyone, you got about a year till your cat's going to get murdered. Yeah, I mean, it's circling murdered. back to cats. I mean, I know I know it lots of, I know lots of people. You know, it's like they're like, oh yeah, our cat we, he didn't come back last night. Back, done. I mean,
4: circle of life, Dan. When it comes that's to wrong. cats, we don't trust them. I believe as a group, at least I certainly don't. I think Dan, I know you, you agree with me. And I if I I have a guy friend that owns a cat not a, that guy friendship is not going to last long I don't trust him
3: I think that's a ridiculous statement I don't th- that's I like cats ha- but it's dogs. what
4: I believe you have a different opinion right no I that's, mean, so it's not ridiculous
5: you just have a different oh, opinion. it is Mark like racists yeah. you know
3: have their own beliefs I can still think I, this is not
5: are you calling that, Mark a catist
3: I mean I think I, I think catist. all all, all right. of God's creatures are beautiful except for no, cats. you don't Craig. I'm allergic you to certainly do bastards. not think that all right
2: pick 20
5: Like that Garrett Bradbury pick, by the way, for the Vikings. Operation
2: Save Cousins. Yeah, they better. They got a big investment in that, man. All right. The Broncos trade with the Steelers. um, And uh, the Broncos use that 20th pick to select Noah Fant, the other big tight end um, out of Iowa. You want to talk about one every 22,000 years. Uh, Iowa putting out two first-round tight ends in one year. That's an, that's the first time it's ever happened at
3: same school. Not only that, they had two tight ends taken before a single wide receiver was taken in the entire country.
5: I like that's this. That's ridiculous. I like this move. So many people had the Broncos mocked for a inside linebacker, which made no sense to me after they picked up Josie Jewell last year. It was not a position of need. Double J
3: but they didn't have anybody for, for uh, Joe Flacco to throw the ball to. I really like this. I, I love it, and they got a second-round pick out of it. I mean, they, they got the Steelers' second-round pick, which is pretty valuable for a Broncos team with a lot of needs. I don't care if you know he's a wide receiver or a tight end. He's ultimately just another pass. You
4: can't have Flacco running an offense without a viable tight end.
3: I agree. The Seahawks are picking at 21. They trade
2: out of the spot. The Packers jump in. Uh, and they give up their 30th pick along with uh, two fourth rounders. Uh, So with that pick, the Packers take Darnell Savage, the safety out of Maryland. We talked about that. Uh, The Packers really going ham at the defensive side uh, in terms of player acquisition. At 22, another trade, the Eagles trade into the Ravens spot to take Andre Dillard, a tackle out of Washington State, which really really seemed to, uh, first of all, Daniel Jeremiah called it the best draft pick of the night. Uh, the Eagles making the move up and getting Dillard, a very talented young, uh, tackle. And it really seemed to chap the Houston Texans who thought they were going to be able to take Dillard potentially. Instead, they perhaps settle. We don't know, but perhaps settle on Titus Howard, a tackle out of Alabama state. So uh, it seems like it's possible the Texans got banged by the Eagles, who jumped ahead of them and Big took spot. Their man.
3: Shows the different organizational priorities. Like the Eagles aren't even going to start Dillard this year, and they traded up for him. I mean, he's Jason Peters's uh, presumptive replacement, but I doubt he's going to take Jason Peters out of the lineup. And so you have Lane Johnson and he's only gonna be a third tackle, and yet they traded up to get him. Meanwhile, you know, Dillard would be the most talented guy on the entire Texans offensive line.
4: I mean, Dillard was of any college tackle the highest rated in pass protection. They do talk about all these guys that like play in a two point stance throughout college and don't have any real three point stance. But I but I don't know. I mean you're gonna so then it's an even playing field when you're drafting most of these dudes.
5: Titus Howard is interesting, but it's been pointed out. If you can't play left tackle at Alabama State, mm. you're probably
3: not going to play left tackle in the pro. Mm. That pick reminded me so much of the Bengals pick of Billy Price a year ago where everyone thought they were going to take Frank Ragnall, the center, and then they got taken one pick ahead of him. And so it was just like the fantasy draft where you're just like scrambling. The and you just like take the, the next guy at that position, and it was a pretty big drop-off between those two picks. One Your year pick later, the same there. thing
4: happens to the Bengals again. so. Uh, all right, so Josh
2: Jacobs comes off the board at 24. At 25, uh, the Ravens, uh, in that trade with the Eagles, they go and make a pick uh, to add to their offense, and it's the first wide receiver off the board, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Uh, West. you didn't like this pick.
5: No, it was a big debate in the newsroom, and I you know, I saw this last year. I, I saw this movie. John Brown, a four three guy who's a deep threat, and a little bit undersized, went underutilized, basically not utilized whatsoever once Lamar Jackson took over. I don't think Lamar Jackson is an outside-the-numbers, down-the-field quarterback. His throwing style is a pop-gun arm. I just don't think he has that arm.
3: I would just say I remember we, we've had these conversations about young quarterbacks to, like, give them a little time. It and I think, develop. I think Jackson coming out of college – man, he threw a lot of pretty deep balls in college. And you definitely didn't see that much uh, last year. But what Brown gives him that John Brown, what Marquise Brown gives him that John Brown definitely didn't is those manufactured plays. I mean, he led he led the conference in yards after the catch. And a lot of those are on those short passes. But where he's
5: a water bug. Those guys don't break tackles. And you are not. He broke more tackles in, in,
3: than any player That's in the FCS.
5: Sure, Tavon but, Austin did too. I mean, what are we doing here? 166 pounds. You need and 166 it. pounds. I I think you're
3: if you're the Ravens, you need playmakers and you need guys that can stretch the field. No doubt. And even if he catches 30, 35 passes, if it's 20 yards per catch and he's making some plays downfield, that's a win.
4: I know, like as the as a Browns fan, like I didn't like the pick because you got to find someone to deal with him. They made out the perfect quarterback for this. He's also a guy that went from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray. To Lamar Jackson, I've just, not like, a bad record. I've just
3: heard a lot of this Lamar Jackson can't throw stuff this offseason from a lot of corners. I'm not
5: saying he can't and throw. And my thing is like strength is, middle, is middle of the
3: field. He started seven games, and for what he was asked to do, he was I'm very successful. I'm saying he's a, he's a he, bust. I'm get a lot better.
5: you can tell by the way he plays quarterback. He throws between the numbers and sort of not downfield. So I agree that they needed the receiver, and they need the skill, position, talent. I just— I would have liked to have seen him go to a different team.
2: Ravens also don't have a great track record uh, picking wide receivers early in the draft. Uh, um, Rashad Perryman being a notable example in recent years, but uh, perhaps Brown uh, will make a difference for them. We talked about Sweat going at 26 to the Redskins, uh, the Raiders taking Abram, the safety out of Mississippi State, the Chargers who had a, you know, I would say a sizey draft party in Santa Monica today. It was oppressive. They had a, a, a the NFL Network showed a a um, you know a wide shot. It seemed like there were several hundred people, maybe a thousand people. Who knows uh, at the pier? So I
4: mean, I'd you know, argue there are
2: fans uh, of this team. here.
4: I agree with you. I'd argue the Santa Monica Pier wouldn't have been barren. Um, of humans were nice uh, with or without the party. Well, but no, they it pr- they promoted it pretty
3: well. It's yes. not too far from where I live and throughout the week you saw the si- people, they're giving away free stuff. There's giveaways, there's food and what they when they had the little uh, the Chargers logo on the Santa Monica Ferris wheel, I mean, that, you know, uh, up in the sky, you could see that for miles around tonight. It looked beautiful. They packed the pier, <laughs> but can they pack the stadium, Mark? We'll find out in a couple of years. Mark was more annoyed by that. I
4: mean, now. it's like, I get <laughs> It. They're from LA, so we must. We, <laughs> we must don't have our to. Thing. I
3: enjoyed it. If, if you can see a Ferris wheel with your team's logo from five miles away up and down the coast, that's a win. If uh, Rogers <laughs> listening to the show, that that is Mark
2: who says that football won't be around in a hundred years and is not a fan of Los Angeles football.
3: That is Mark Sessler.
4: Well, some of that is true. <laughs>
3: Uh, let's close this Wait, out. What does that look for, Tim Post, Ricky is just looking like she wants well, to get out Well, you're outta. just
1: like, if you get to see your team on a Ferris wheel, you're just, like, full of just, I just don't trust you. It's not you. my team. I'm <laughs> just I just don't saying. trust you. Well, I,
3: I, I did have cats, or my parents did. Well, yeah, know, there's a dogs, lot of red flags about you. Yeah.
1: Mm. And you're like, oh yeah, you see your team, and then next you're gonna be like, you see the the guy in Hawaii. I mean, I mean, it's the not Chargers. You get to see your favorite fifth team of the NFL. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're saying the,
3: if you're saying the Chargers get too much support, I think you'd be the first person to ever say that. Let's help from this. you. Let's help this little team out. Well, oh, please, they need some help. It'd <laughs> be nice for them in San Diego.
5: Where do the Chargers rank? I mean, after your favorite team, the Eagles, and your second favorite
3: team, the Patriots, where do the Chargers?
5: Well, rank? the Rams.
3: No, I would say the Patriots are obviously first. And you already yeah, walked out obviously. on them. The L.A. teams and the Eagles are in that mix afterwards. Mm. They're all together.
2: All right. So the Seattle Seahawks um, picked 29th because they traded uh, Frank. The Clark. Reds are actually
3: ahead of them yes! right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Frank Clark, uh, the Frank Clark trade that sent uh, the defensive end to Kansas City. They take L.J. Collier, the defensive end out of TCU, who's uh a guy with upside uh, and Michael Bennett comps, which would fit in with Seattle. Uh, But the other, uh, you know, big news concerning uh, this pick and the team connected to it, the Chiefs, uh, Tyreek Hill, um, some really disturbing audio uh, came out today. It was uh, posted uh, by a local uh, news affiliate uh, in Kansas City, I believe. Was it out of Kansas City? Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, you know, it was Hill and his girlfriend, uh, the two people that are connected to the child abuse investigation and, and that involved the young son that suffered the broken arm. Um, it was reported this week or yesterday that uh, there wouldn't be any criminal charges filed uh, against uh, either of the adults in this situation. This audio recording of surfaces, uh, of course, goes viral, gets blasted out. And then the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, Brett Veach, uh, announces after the draft that Tyreek Hill will not be involved with the Chiefs in any capacity for, quote, the foreseeable future. Uh, you could try to read between the lines that this this could very well be the final straw that, uh, you know, um, snaps the camel's back and that's the end of Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. It certainly seems
3: to be trending that way now. Hard to know. I mean, the the audio, you know, it's tough. the entire situation is tragic. I mean, going back to his involvement with the same woman and, and child, you know, in, in college. Child wasn't even born then. But just looking at the statement that Veach made, it does feel like it, it crossed a certain threshold, you would think, for the team.
4: Oh, right? I, I think that we'll see. There's probably more to, for them to look into and stuff, but absolutely, it give, just gives you total pause when you look at the transcript of that audio. I just, I don't know. I like there's some things that are just, if there's any scenario where this is what's happened and they keep him, I don't, I can't figure out how to back that on any level.
2: And Veach uh, also said in the statement that he found out about the audio recording in, quote, real time. So he found out the team found out as the same time as the rest. of it's the. It's just remarkable
3: public. that two months ago there, you know, report that Tyreek Hill was going to become the highest paid receiver in the league. Um, all right. So
2: um, and we'll keep an eye on that situation. Obviously, uh, next time uh, we'll bring a podcast to you is after the draft. So we'll see if there's any movement uh, in the Tyreek Hill situation, the giants trade back into the first round. We talked about that. Deandre Baker, the Falcons trade with the Rams swap of the Rams. So the Rams trade out of the first round entirely. And the Falcons take Kelly, uh, Caleb McGarry tackle out of Washington. And, um, finally the Patriots, um,
4: can I mention one thing about yes. one quote on Caleb Gary? And I'm sure he's a very he's massive. He's six foot seven. Someone called him big, stiff robot guy. I'm sure there are other uh, big, qu- stiff
2: robot guy. Yeah,
4: I'm sure there are other qualities that he brings to the table. The Falcons must think so.
2: It's quite a name. Uh, the pa- Patriots take a wide receiver. Nikhil Harry out of ASU. Uh, and Greg, that is a good pick. You like that
3: pick. I did. I liked his interview, you know on NFL Network, like the cut of his jib, his attitude. But I like that it was the Patriots uh, going against type, which is they have not drafted receivers in the first round. They have not drafted many outside receivers very high, physical receivers, his profile uh, as a guy who can kind of be a big slot guy, win at the catch point, physical, run after catch, like, man, they need that. So it's, it's just nice when, you, when the Patriots, you know, pick need, and, and a lot of people, you know, some people add him as a top receiver in the league. Well, I mean, in the draft, there aren't many holes in Bill Belichick's
5: resume, but drafting early round wide receivers is one of them. So maybe this is one of his few challenges left.
4: And put the Patriots logo on a Ferris wheel while you're at it, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And the biggest news of the night,
2: Ricky Hollywood, of course, that Taylor Swift dropped her new video. Oh, yeah. Which she announced she's in Nashville. I think she has a home. Down there, she announced, announced it at the draft that it was dropping. And your thoughts on the new Wait, television? really? At the draft? She was there. She was on some uh, some show and said it was coming out. And uh, Eric and I watched it in real time together.
1: Yeah, like nine oh two. I was already uh, watching it live. It w- it's great. It it reminds me of her older stuff, not Reputation album. The video feels like her. Um, I haven't gotten the full effect yet. I can't mm. wait till like tonight at 3 a.m. when I'm driving home. I got to really bump it in the car to feel it.
2: <laughs> so you don't
3: drive off the road.
1: Well, I'm not worried about that. It's oh, like okay. I want the experience got it. Of got it. really like immersing myself. So in it was song.
3: like, it was like oh, yeah, remember how I said like the old Taylor is dead? Oh, actually, <laughs> that didn't work out too well. It didn't really test market. People didn't like that. I so Reputation. now the old Taylor <laughs> totally back. You know, only
2: a cat guy would say something like that. Oh. Such a cat guy comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you're right, though. You totally nailed that. <laughs> but what did you think? <laughs> I loved it. I think I think she's much more comfortable in the lane that this single, in, you know, exists. She
4: yeah. seems super tall
2: in
3: she all her
1: tall. videos. Like, is s- this the bad blood Six feet chick? tall? Yeah. Is hmm. she that tall? Taylor Smith. Taylor Smith. One of my favorites.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. That's the um, <clears throat> round one recap. Um, as we said... Quick
5: word about the Colt. Chris Ballard continuing <laughs> to knock it out of the park.
2: What's your favorite type of frog?
5: Three second round picks this guy's got this nice year. Job. And two next year. This guy is building a perennial playoff
4: power. Right draft for that, too.
5: I just wanted to get a little cold He's today. not
4: on your list. So they didn't, they didn't pick.
2: No, they, they traded out. out. All right. Well, you know, let's see what they do with the picks before we start throwing uh, bouquets at the man's feet. I know he's had a great year or so.
5: I mean, it's just adding to the collection of bouquets that are already down there. <laughs>
2: We'll be back Saturday uh, when we recap um, the entire draft. We'll we'll go through all the uh, second through seventh round. We won't go through every pick, but you know things that jump out to us uh, for the balance of the draft, maybe share some winners and losers, check in on our sandwich props, see how they're going uh, for the draft.
3: Not well for me. So, mm. Some bad news in the back end of the draft, but we'll get to all that. I think we'll all catch up to you in mediocrity. The reality is none of us have hit, a single uh, proposition so yeah so you have company it's a
2: problematic situation <laughs> so far uh, but uh, thank you everybody uh, for listening and good luck to your teams the rest of the way and uh, that's it that's all I got to really say good job guys Stan heads is signing off for Quiet Storm the mailman the old boss of Ricky Hollywood behind the glass till Saturday night
3: You think you've been brain damaged?
5: Oh, yeah, definitely.
3: (laughs) There's no doubt. Okay. Let's
2: dig
0: into that a little. I left some on the operating table. There's no doubt. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower...